man's fallen, corrupt mind. We can split the scriptures in Old Testament, New Testament. We get it that we don't live under the law of the Old Testament unto righteousness. We live under the new covenant of the blood of Jesus unto righteousness. Those are two ways we can split the Bible. The other way is to split them on the lines of the two Adams. You know, splitting the atom got the world into big trouble at Hiroshima. Okay, some of you are still brushing your teeth, getting out of bed. Huh? So when we split the atom, atoms, sorry, <laughs> split the atoms, we have fallen, corrupt Adam with a mind that begins to drift further and further away from God, who's at enmity. Sin didn't separate God from him. His sin separated him from God. Then you have, after the fulfillment of all the pictures God uses in the Old Covenant to explain who He is as a loving, gracious, kind God who's quick to forgive and the sacrificial and the shedding of blood and the temple services and the giving of the Ten Commandments and all that comes to a place where it's fulfilled in the fullness of time, Christ is born. Emmanuel. God pitches up on the scene. God arrives on the scene. That is the miracle of the incarnation. This is not just some good prophet. This is not just a teacher to come and point us to God. This is not just a good example coming to say, live like me and you'll be okay. This is God saying, I'm going to come into your fallen, corrupt, wayward, wrong-headed world and thinking about who I am and I'm going to wrestle back temptation and anxiety and depression and I'm going to go through everything you've been through. I'm going to be tempted in every way you've been tempted but I will not sin and I will be the perfect spotless lamb that is sacrificed and brings forgiveness to the earth. First Adam, and the Bible speaks of last Adam. So I want to read the scripture in that context. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became alive. He is a living person, eating, breathing, smoking. I mean, eating, eating breaking, breathing, uh, getting married, uh, uh, um, whatever they do. Okay. I think they smoked back then as well. Big pops. So these big pops. Okay, so they were like kind of living in the flesh. But the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. What did Jesus come to do? He came to reverse the curse of the separation between God and man by bringing the spirit back into us. He was a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, made of dust. The second man is from heaven. Verse 48. Like the one made of dust, so too are those made of dust. And like the one from heaven, so too are those who are heavenly. Any heavenly people here today? A couple of us, hallelujah. Now, verse 49, so intriguing. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. That is one of the most powerful statements. And all it's saying is those that were born of the dust man live like the dust man. They think like the dust man. 
they run around limited to five senses. But those who are spiritual have come into another experience of having God revealed to them. They couldn't discover God, but they've had God revealed to them through Jesus. Now they can bear His image. So let us bear the image of the man from heaven. Now, I know some of your translations have got it wrong. And they say, so let, so we shall, or we will, so let us, let, so shall we. On that last verse, they say, so, so let us, so we shall bear the man of heaven, which is future tense. So they make it look like present tense, man of dust, future tense, man of heaven. But the translators got it wrong there. The, the NET translation is one of the few that got it right, and they got a whole explanation. And, but before I even read the NET, I was a bit confused at the NIV. And uh, even the, NET, the uh, LT, NLT, I, so I thought, let me go and see what sense it, what sense it um, is. Is it past, present, future in the, in, in the Greek grammar. So I went to the Greek grammar and I read through and I didn't find a future sense. It says nothing about shall. So I'm thinking, now what the heck's going on here? Why? Either the interpreters think it's too good to be true, or the translators think it's too good to be true, so they put it in future tense because, hey man, you can't bear the image of Jesus yet. It'll only happen when Jesus comes back. Hello? Such is the voice of religion. Now, so I thought, okay, but it, I mean, these are clever, clever dudes. And I don't want to compare with them. So why? There isn't a future tense, but there's a subjunct, sub, subjunctive tense for you grammar people. Subjunctive tense is something like this. Eat the meat on your table, but also eat the vegetables. That's on your plate. Eat your meat that's on your plate, but also eat the vegetables. Bear the image of the first man, but also bear the image of the second man. Eat the food that's on your plate, but also eat your dessert. But when it's translated into English, it loses that nuance of as you bear the image of man, as you eat the steak in your plate, you shall eat vegetables. Now, that's, that's what is wrongly translated. But with the subjunctive tense, tense it's not that. It's, happen, it's happening simultaneously. As, as you eat your meat, also eat your vegetables. Can you see what's happening? So this is not pie in the sky when you die. This is steak in your plate while you wait. This is here and now. This is for the present. This is as you are bearing the likeness of the dust, Adam. When you receive the spirit from this life-giving spirit of the second Adam, or the last Adam, sorry, not the second, the last Adam, you now walk not limited to sense knowledge, not limited to what you think and feel and what seems 
obviously in this world because you're living at a higher understanding of God's image. And now, all of a sudden, you can say things like, as he is, so am I in this world. That's not first Adam knowledge. That's last Adam knowledge. You can say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's not first Adam knowledge. That's last Adam knowledge. And I'm not saying one day when Jesus comes back and I go to heaven, then, you know, as he will be in the future, I will be in the future. As he is, so am I. And that's the correct translation of that verse. In the same way we bear the likeness of first Adam, let us bear the image of last Adam. Took a bit of time there, but it's important that we don't let the devil swing our minds as we go into these next few verses, which are going to work. I'm just going to go three scriptures, three, three examples, if you like. Um, maybe the first one can be best uh, understood as if you're playing on the keyboard and you're playing in C, 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 no C, where's C? What button I must push for C? Oh, C. That's C. Now, if you're going to play a scale, you play C, C sharp, D, E, F, G, a. Can you hear that? And you can play anything in between there. I'm, I'm playing in the scale. I'm playing in the chord of C. And it's got rules of you can't put another note in there because then it'll sound something like this. Did you hear something was wrong? Or it's like a scary movie. They do that in scary movies. So 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 basic music is if you're playing in a certain chord or scale, you have to be consistent in that scale. You have to play in the chord. I say all that to read the scripture to you. Romans eight verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, for those who live in the cord of the flesh, can live in that cord, set their minds. How do you know when someone's playing in the cord of flesh? They're setting their minds on the things of the flesh. So that's how you know when someone's here in First Adam. They're living in this cord. But, that's an important but. That's got to be circled and underlined. But those who live in the cord of the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. They're playing in the cord of the Spirit. Here in the Spirit, there's forgiveness. Here in the cord of the Spirit, there's, I want to see you healed. Here in the court of the Spirit, there's, man, let's trust for joy to break through your depression. Here living in the Spirit is, someone says something and you pick up, there's something else behind it. There's a discernment here 
living here. Over here, it's easy. You'll see. Verse 9. You, who's talking to? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, the, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, when did that happen? When you were crucified with Christ as portrayed in your baptism, you identified with his death. His death was your death. His life was your life. His resurrection is your resurrection. Because those who have died because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. You see, what when you're in this Adam, when you're controlled by law, which Jesus came to fulfill and deal with, so we don't live under law, when we're living under law, we will learn, be taught things like Jesus did 80% of it, now it's our part. We have to do this, 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 and this. When we're being taught the full gospel, we're being taught Jesus plus nothing, Jesus minus nothing, Jesus did it. And I live from that place. Now, religion also has this concept of, yeah, man, hey, you know, I know God's out there and I'm trying my best. And, hey, Lord, you know, I just, uh, please, I hope you didn't see what I just did. And, you know, oh, God, please, don't you, don't you want to come and be with me? And, 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 and new, new covenant teaching, it's God can't be closer than he already is. Because you in him and he's in you. And I understand the language sometimes we, you know, Lord, we be like, that's just our aching heart. But it's not good theology. Because God isn't out there somewhere, away, apart, distant from us. We are up close and personal. He's not, you know, our heart's too small for him. So he invited us into his heart. And his heart is bigger than the universe, bigger than the cosmos. It extends time, past and future. And he says, hey, how about coming and getting in my heart where we live and move? Because anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Second scripture. I was reminded of my little... Logan, you all know Logan? He comes in here, he has long hair, now he's got short hair, I don't know what he was. Logan will sit on his little device as long as you let him. I know other kids don't do that, but he's just... The only time I get him off that is when I say, Logie, come, let's go for a walk. Just around the block, it's like 20, 25 minutes. And as we walk, suddenly, he can't be on this, or else he'll walk into lampposts. So he, he has to actually concentrate. On what's, and we start talking about things. I've taught him the name of some flowers, some trees. Say, Bougainvillea. Sounds like Logan. Bogan, Logan. Bougainvillea. Ah, remembers it. And then we pick up a few things, and we see who can throw the stick the furthest. And, you know, we go ring a neighbor's doorbell and run away before they open the door. All that clean fun we had as kids, you know. But while we're walking, we're talking. 
Why are we walking with fellowship? Why are we walking? He's learning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, verse 13 says, But I say, walk, say walk, by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the verse 14, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. It's, it, it's like you can't have the same two exact opposite thoughts in your mind simultaneously. Okay? So if I say to you, Logan, Logan, my grandson, Logan, Logan, my grandson, who was thinking about an elephant right then? You get the point. So if you are deliberately walking in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, discernment, how am I going to solve this problem at work? You've got a different worldview, mindset. So that's what he's saying here. For, 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 you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it goes on, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. They, they, they contrast. For those, these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to. Now, I, I think there he's speaking to people that are still in this law-based in-between. My reason for saying that is the conjunction but is a very strong contrast word. Da -da 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 -da. But. Uh, who, know, who then listens? But, you know, like a billy goat Christian. I'm going to do this in a but, but, but. But this but says, if you're led by the Spirit, what are you doing? You're walking. If you're led, you're not under the law. It's a strange thing to put in there. You're not under the law. But I think we're coming to understand that now. You're not being disqualified anymore because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and you're no longer under the law. So I'm not trying to keep these commandments and do those commandments. I'm going, sure, Jesus, I'm glad you got it right because now I can enjoy living in the Spirit. And those who live in the Spirit, their worldview is completely different to those who are just trying to please God. And you know the things you always deliberately trying to get out of your mind are often the things that you suck into your life. He says over here, yeah, because the law will say one thing you lack. Remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, I've done this and I've done that, and I'll keep the good one. And Jesus says there's one thing you lack. Because when we think we can get righteous with God through what we do, the law has to point out there's one thing you lack. Living under the law is like trying to throw wood on a fire to put it out. The more law you add, <laughs> I'm going to put this fire out. Put more wood on. Put more wood. Put furniture. Put big logs. Put Feeding the law just makes the law get wild until you become psychotic, neurotic, schizophrenic. You end up going to the doctor. And you find out that 
castles in the sky are seen by people with neurosis that are suffering from schizophrenia. But the psychologist is picking up the rent with his diagnosis. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. But you can't think you can put more laws on your life to live a more righteous life. You've got to put more Jesus on your life to live a righteous. Because he's made you righteous. He said, I'm, Christ became sin for us, which is beyond my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Identified and became sin. Now, we don't understand that. So that we could become, we also can't understand. But we can live it. Then he gives a short definition just to explain what it looks like here. Galatians 5, 19. For the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurities, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. See, he puts them all in the same box, you know. Fits of anger and murder. It's like he just throws them all together. It's like Jesus saying, you know, even if you're angry with someone, you've killed them. Even if you look at a girl in the wrong way, you've had a doll. It's like he just says, this is what it looks like when you live on this side of the tangent. But verse 22, let me show you what it looks like when you live on this side of the Adam. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I heard such a powerful phrase this week. I was reading and it was one I had to underline and then I wrote it down and I tried to get it into me. Is when we forget our true identity, we are flippantly disregarding the benefit we received when our sin was broken. When we were delivered from sin. When sin no longer is our master. Because under here, as hard as you tried, it was your master. More laws you added was wood on the fire. When we forget our true identity, that's why I've called this being who you really are, your true self, whatever. It's not a self-centered message. It's all about what Jesus did. But when we forget our identity, when we forget this, we are flippantly disregarding the most amazing privilege we had when Jesus said it is finished. The power of sin shall not be your master anymore. Grace, my friend, is not freedom to sin. Grace is freedom from sin. And many grace churches get accused of that. You're telling people they're free to sin. Now we're telling them they're free not to sin. And don't ever forget that. Benefit. Privilege. But when you forget your identity, you can forget that. Last verse. We started the illustration. 
Okay. Are you tracking my illustrations? In accord with the flesh, walking with Logan, and now it's making a concrete block. No, we don't want her on yet. Yeah, thank you. So now my next illustration is a, making a concrete block. You have to willfully take two, four planks and bind them next together in a square at the height of the slab you want. Because if you don't, when you throw the liquid cement, it runs all over the place. But when you put, when you say, I'm going to put these boards this far apart, this high, you are making a decision. You're willing the size of that block. So your will has a role there. Then the mixture, Alec, three, two, one, stone, sand, cement, gets poured in, which is a little bit of effort. Say effort. Christianity is not scared of a bit of effort. You know? Well, I don't have to read my Bible, hallelujah. A little bit of effort probably wouldn't hurt you. I don't have to get up on Sunday mornings anymore. I'm free. I'm under grace. Now, a little bit of effort will profit you. Anyway, so then what's next needed? A bit of patience. Take the scripture off, please. There's a bit of patience. And when the time has come, what do you do? Take the planks off, and what have you got? Concrete block. Now, the mind works in a similar way. I don't know why they're hooting at me. I've still got five minutes. Whoever's wife is that hooting for them to come, just please send them a text, five minutes. So this scripture (laughs) says in Colossians 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Do what? Set your mind. Set your, sorry, your heart. Set your heart. Set your emotions on the things that are above. So what, what are you going to set your emotions on? The things that are above. And what is above? Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When God is your life appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. If you've been risen with Christ, set your affections on things above. How do you live in the Spirit? You set your affections on things above. You play in the chord of the Spirit by setting your affections on things above. As you walk with Him and talk to Him and listen to Him, you're setting your affections on things above where Christ is seated and you are seated and co-seated in Christ in heavenly places. And when He returns, you will return with Him in glory with a bright of Christ reigning triumphantly through the universe, ever growing, ever expanding, ever finding new dimensions of discovery forever and forever and forever and forever. And we'll look back on the short little blip in time called 90 years, if you're lucky, and we'll go, whoa, whoa, I took myself so seriously. I thought life was so scary. I let anxiety fill my heart. Set your affections. Take 
use your will to 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 discipline that 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 that, that, that pour of love that comes from the Father's heart, and then bake in it, soak in it, let, let it strengthen, let it be reinforced. In, in you, and as it is, so your affections start to become his affections, and his affections become your affections. You're no longer living in the dust, Adam. You're living in the spirit-given Adam, and you become a spirit-giving person. Wherever you go now, you are imparting spirit. It says, as we bore his image, let us now bear his image. We are starting to impart life. You know, you can just impart life wherever you go. Just by being who we really are and knowing who we really are. Verse 5. So I put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Verse 12, therefore, God's chosen people, ye let your, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Say, that's me. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are dearly loved. Now, what comes natural when you wake up in the morning? You clothe yourself. You clothe yourself. But what are you clothing yourself with? To be compassionate, to be kind, to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Who doesn't want to live this kind of life? Yeah, and we, we, we have a failure now and then. And we've got to remind ourselves, this is not my identity. I refuse to own this identity. I refuse to own my sin. I'm going to own my righteousness. And I'm going to own this identity. And I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to spend a second over here hollowing in my guilt, hollowing in my self-pity. Oh, well, I'll just never be good enough. This is just like my dad was. It's typical old me. If I do that too long, you know what will happen? I'll forget my true identity. But when I step across and I go, no, that's not like me. Hear yourself say that. That's not like me. Just say that. That's not like me. You should be saying that a few times a day. Especially those of you who sin more than the others. I know who you are. Don't look at me with that spiritual voice. That's not who I am. That's not like me. And over all these put on love which binds them, it's like part of your clothing is compassion and, and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other and forgiving. And then the cord that goes through all of these and binds them together, holds it all together on your body, is this thing called love. That's the last and greatest reformation that's going to take place across the church. 
is when all of these things are bound together in love. And love will deal with suspicion. Love will deal with bitterness. Love will deal with, why wasn't I chosen? Love will deal with insecurity. Love will deal with apathy. Love will deal with stinginess. Love, love, will, deal, love will deal with like a whole lot of stuff. Let's stand together.